0: On Point, hosted by Peter Van Artryk, conversations with interesting and informative experts on technology, branding, culture, social media marketing, and other great topics. Hello again everybody, I'm Peter Van Artryk, your host for On Point, brought to you by our good friends at Wells Media, which includes Carrier Management, Insurance Journal, and other fine publications. This episode is supported by personalumbrella.com, where you can quote standalone personal umbrella policies. Of up to five million in three minutes online by answering just four simple questions joining me in this show is Dustin Bryant, who's personal Alliance academic director with the National Alliance uh, National Alliance are the folks that bring you the CSE program and other fine education programs based out of Austin Texas but Dustin, you're out in Arkansas I think
1: I am yes, thanks so much for having me today Peter
0: yeah, um glad to have you and um You know, we've been talking uh, on this show in recent weeks and months about the future of work and uh, what's happening with the gig economy and what's happening with employment period in the insurance industry. So it's kind of a continuing trend I wanted to to get your thoughts about. Um, But it might be good because a lot of our listeners are independent agents and brokers. all kinds of folks that work in those roles and those important jobs in those uh, retail or wholesale operations. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and how we got to the point where we're even talking today, a little bit about your career.
1: Uh, Sure. So first, again, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really honored to be here with you. I've been in the insurance industry with a personalized focus for almost 15 years now. Um, and I've been with the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research as the personal Alliance Academic Director for almost a year. And honestly, it's coming up on a year with the National Alliance and the reflection on the past year literally starts with the pandemic fallout for me. So it's it's really been a crazy ride. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wound up here at the National Alliance because I have this insatiable appetite to learn a constant search for more information that led me to obtaining designations with the National Alliance where I found an aspiration to eventually be one of the faculty members. You know, my journey is not unique um, to anybody else in the insurance industry. You'll hear a lot of when somebody asks, how'd you get into the insurance industry? You'll hear a lot of, well, it was by accident, but I chose to stay on purpose. My story is not any different than that, really. Um, I was You'd, I didn't start out in the insurance industry, didn't even know what I wanted to be, quite frankly, as, as I was growing up. Um, I have a degree path and everything, but initially it it doesn't follow anything that has anything to do with insurance. And so it was just, I wound up here uh, as a manager at a hotel managing a restaurant, um, and we were hosting a an Aflac convention. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wholly um, kind of just not feeling the restaurant thing. I love helping people, but the hours were long. I was getting home at three o'clock in the morning. I needed to find something that I could, I could feel that need to learn more. And I'm, you're still going to learn a, ro- a lot managing a restaurant. You'll learn about people, but not too much knowledge depth that you're having to constantly improve on there. Um, and so, you know, insurance salesmen are the best at selling anything. Uh, so I sat down and started talking with a wonderful lady and she convinced me to go and get my life and health and uh, license and, and come over to Aflac. And it was, like I said, pure accident. Um, and so I did, sort of, i also found out that I was not a very good door to door sales person. Um, so I started looking for something that was a bit more stable and more geared towards my personality. And that's how I fell into insurance. Still didn't know I wanted to be an in insurance, but I thought, well, as long as I had put forth the effort on a license, I need to do something with it. Cause it's the only time I'd ever been licensed in anything. Um, so I just, I chose to stay and it just got better and better and it got better with the more education that I had geared straight towards insurance, the more confidence, I developed through education, the better I got at what I was doing and the more opportunities opened for me. And that's exactly what the National Alliance was. Um, I found a great footing with a, a company out of Florida, but we have offices here in Arkansas, Brown and Brown. And we had an amazing team. I had amazing leadership that pushed me to be the best version of me, not to be better than somebody else, but to be the best version of me. Um, And through that, I uh, began to look at more designations with the National Alliance. I hit a couple of roadblocks on that and that doesn't slow me down, but through trying to overcome some of those roadblocks to a particular designation, I ended up being presented um, with joining the team at the National Alliance. It's been an amazing experience. I have learned more than I ever thought that I would. And not just about insurance I'm meeting amazing people working with amazing people and getting to mentor some pretty doggone amazing people too all the way from the high school level up to professional levels Um, I'm just really loving everything about the opportunity that I have um, to do what I love every day
0: well this you know this is gonna be a tough interview because I'm gonna have to draw information out of you clearly Dustin, let me, you know what, it, when you're talking about the restaurant, first of all, I can totally see you running a restaurant and and uh, everybody loving <laughs> you for that. But it also reminds me that, that many independent agents have said to me over the years that they go into restaurants, a lot of times they insure the restaurant. So they're going in there and they, they meet a server who's just outstanding and they offer them a job in the agency because they say, <laughs> you know, I can teach people insurance. I can't teach them how to be a human being. Right. Um so you're another example of that. Um, right. I also, um, I should have mentioned earlier that you're um, not only a CIC and a CISR, CIC Certified Insurance Counselor and then a Certified Insurance Service Representative, do I have that right? Um, yes, sir. But also an MBA, so you, obviously you like um, education. I'm a CIC too, full disclosure, I got it a long time ago, I think 19, early 90s. That's
1: awesome. Uh,
0: Yeah, and I, you know, it's um, it was so interesting because I was I was writing about insurance at that time for National Underwriter, and um, one of the instructors and I were chatting in the hallway because he was he's one of my sources for stories. Um, uh, His name was Jim Harrison, who was sort of renowned, um, uh, passed away, but he was renowned within the National Alliance, I believe. But Jim was. uh, got me involved and so why don't you just just take it you know and i, I got into the classes and i 'm like man I, I feel like i 'm a better reporter, I feel like i 'm a better journalist. I know what a BOP policy is. I know what coverage is yeah. i I know that a, an exclusion to an exclusion means it 's covered probably you know it, it, <laughs> it, you, you dive into it, but um anyway, enough about me i want I want to learn more about you so um what do you do? What does the personalized academic director mean, and personal lines for those of us listening who you know, think, well, I'm just a commercial broker. You know, I don't really, we don't really do personal lines. We write in personal lines as an accommodation to our commercial accounts. Blah blah blah. Well, right. personal lines is half the PNC premium volume. It's personal auto alone is a third of the entire all PNC coverage. Right. So it's it's a ginormous chunk, billions and billions and billions of premium. Running through there, and it gets a lot of play in insure tax space and direct writer space. Mm-hmm. But smart independent agents, man, they do really well in personal lines, don't they?
1: They do. Yes. No. Personal lines is it's exactly what it is. It's personal. It's personal to everybody. Everybody has some place to live, and a, a, most likely a car to insure. Of course, in big cities, you may not but it's personal stuff, it's our stuff. So why wouldn't you want to insure it? And what I love so much about being in personal lines is because you really connect with that person. You're not just talking about their business, which you know for the most part, most business owners are wholly passionate about, but you're talking about stuff that's really close to them. So you get to connect with people on that deeper, uh, deeper level. Um, and that's what I love about it. When you connect with people on that deeper level, they want others that they love to be connected with you too. Um, and as, as the personalized lines academic director, I'm still trying to figure out everything that I do. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a, a tricky question for me to answer. You know, initially when I got into the job, I'm like, oh, I'm going to read policy language every day. That's so <coughs> much fun because it really is to me. Now the other people might be rolling their eyes and going, oh my God, who are you and what do you do? Um, But no, reading the policy language, and and really you can get a different perspective on it almost every single time you read it, and with every single scenario that you come across, you read that policy language a little bit differently. Um, But I'm doing so much more than that. We have so many programs, and I really, um, I really love when, um, you know, through our high school program, when a teacher calls me and says, I'm having some difficulty explaining this, can you help? And which, like, yes, I can help, because that's what insurance agents do. That's what insurance advisors do is they want to help. You know we know the language and we know the policy, and you know that's how we make the dollar, if you will. But what really brings us back to it time and time again is not just the extrinsic value of it, it's the intrinsic value of it and really getting to help people. And I'm still getting to do that as a personalized um, academic director. I'm just doing it on a completely different level because now I still get to connect. Personally, with people that are trying to understand the insurance language, but I'm also getting to connect with the professional that's wanting to do more um, and be better for their clients as well. And so um, that, and it's, it's just it's great for me um, because I love seeing other people flourish. And the more, I'll, I'll go back to what I said, the more education you have that's geared specifically to what you're doing the more confidence you have. And when you have that confidence, you're not afraid to show it because it's just ingrained in you at that point. And that's so amazing when you get to reflect that back to your clients and they gain that trust in you. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but that's what being the personalized academic director is to (laughs) me and all the miscellaneous tasks that go along with it.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's a cool job. I, uh, I think it's awesome. And I think you're a good spokesperson for it. Um, Wanted to have you on the show because uh, I've been fascinated with this idea. I've been doing a lot of reading, um, fact-checking, et cetera, around this concept of um, the gig economy, uh, the future of work. What are the implications for the insurance industry as an employment brand, but also what are the implications for the insurance industry just for coverage period of all different kinds of coverage how are we going to be able to insure all of these people yeah. and businesses that are not operating under the rules that you know the the policy language we've been so used to um, implications in workers' comp, employee all kinds of employee benefits, commercial auto uh, liability it, the list goes on and on and on um, certainly there's implications in personal lines um, but what do you what do you think is happening out there in the gig economy just a general question. That where you, you, your wheels are turning, um, I saw a number that more than half of the workforce by 2025 will be freelance. So that means mm-hmm. to me the trigger there is 10.99, not Right. too So that that's a big that's a big differentiator from a tax standpoint, um, from an insurance standpoint, right? Too. So um, what do you what do you make of this? What are the implications in your mind? And we can peel it back as we go here.
1: Yeah, well, the gig economy is not something um, that's new. Uh, it's it's a it's a worker doing bits of odds and in jobs, on-demand jobs, if you will. Um, so it's it, what you said. Traditionally, this would be the freelance worker or the independent contractor. So it's not new. I mean, this style of work has been around for a long time. Actually, I read an article recently that discussed journal entries of tradesmen from the 18th century and the various jobs that they worked. Um, so like I said, it's not new, but I would say that the freelance, the independent contractor, it's transforming, maybe even a little trendy. Um, but right now it's necessary. Technology is really driving this, um, this perspective shift, if you will, from being, um, what uh, the old, uh, school agent would call freelance or independent contractor to somebody that says, you know, I'm a gig worker. It's the thing. It's the hashtag, if you will. Um, so, technology is really driving it. And right now, people um, may think of Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, you know, stuff like that. TaskRabbit is another one that, that's coming around to promote their skills and pick up jobs. Um, but locally, you might also see in um, social media, like a neighborhood forum where someone asks, for help cleaning their gutters or building a deck, decluttering, something like that. Somebody's gonna post something and somebody else is gonna pick it up. But so the problem with this is that um, these consumers or these gig workers don't see themselves as freelancers or independent contractors or starting a small business, if you will. So they're not thinking to have these conversations with their agents. Um, the implications of that is just that. Um, that the gig workers, like I said, they're not having the conversations with their agents and agents might have their head in the sand about it because they think, well, not my client, all of my clients established and have a traditional career path or something. Um, but right now gig economy is really filling a need um, for consumers, especially in the, in the pandemic age right now, if you will, um, You know, having something delivered to your door when you're sick, oh, that would have been really helpful several years ago for me, when we're laid up in bed, both my husband and I, sick to our, to just no end. We had three kids, and one was a, a baby. Um, couldn't change his own diapers. He needed a cheese stick. In between our moments of weakness, we would have to make sure he was fed, and the other two older kids were just like, fend for yourself. If we could have had somebody come and deliver something to us, that would have been great, because Domino's was getting really old at that time. Um, but... You know, as an insurance um, for the insurance industry, gig work doesn't fit perfectly into either commercial or personal insurance. Traditionally, the freelancer or small business uh, person is going to look into general liability, professional liability, and work comp. Uh, the business itself is going to have a policy, but it's you know it's not going to extend or may not extend. It could. Um, to the freelancer contract worker. And that worker is not thinking about that right now because they're, you know, they're picking up a side gig. It's just a side hustle for them um, for the most part. But as more and more people are finding freedoms through gig work, they're starting to maybe crave that a little bit more and make it more of a primary gig instead of a side gig. Or in the pandemic, uh, the, they may have unfortunately lost a job or they're not getting as much work as they could if they had a small business. And so they're picking up some of these side gigs um, that would be considered gig work that may not be covered under their their policy. Um, so, you know, right. as, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, as an insurance industry, um, you know, there's, There's the old school way of doing things, and it's it's hard to transform into the new way of how consumers are seeking out their work, which is transforming how insurance needs to cover that. Um, And for the insurance industry, there's a lot of insure tech that's coming in um, that's really figuring out how to adapt to these on-demand jobs. And traditional insurance companies are still... Kind of leery and hanging back they're starting to get into it but they're still kind of hanging on to see because they're used to traditional underwriting I need a history I need your risk how you know how much have you done before whereas some of these insure tech companies are coming in with algorithms that are already you know asking you what like five questions
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're saying this is how much your policy is going to cost you per month let's let's get on board with that and a lot of it, um, I don't know if I'm going too deep here. Stop me if if you want to go in a different direction. But, you know, gig workers, a lot of times I said that they're, you know, the neighborhood forms, but a lot of times these gig workers are picking up jobs through apps on their phone.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and when they're picking up something so quickly on their phone, they're wanting a solution right then and there that, you know, some of these apps are partnering with insure tech companies to offer that uh that policy or that need right there on their app and so if they've got that capability they're gonna oh i didn't realize that i needed insurance yes i have a home and auto or a business insurer but i didn't realize this was considered a business you're saying that i can have insurance for this one job let me go ahead and click yes or you know whatever and traditional insurance companies are not adapting quick enough to pick up that market
0: yeah man that that is such a key point, Dustin. you know, I, I, I just feel, well, my two kids, I am positive that my two girls um, would not have renters auto and personal umbrella with an independent agent. If it wasn't for their dad, me, there's. Right. About it. um, Cause Wait, it's how
1: many times do you get on your phone right now? And it's just speaking in terms of personal insurance, you're coming through Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. And you see an ad that's like, what is it? The uh, the lemonade is the one that I keep seeing all the time on my phone right now. Click here for a quote and you can have, you know, and it's super quick. You never even talk to somebody. No. You're doing it all on your phone. And as it, it, it's first time I heard of lemonade, let me tell you about that. As an independent insurance agent and I had a client that I was you know batting against on a condo policy about how low he wanted his limits when he had just laid down 500,000 for this condo. And he comes at me with $25,000 for additions and alterations on this this app. And Mm -hmm. I just, I literally said, well, if that's the coverage that you want, then go there. But I'm your insurance advisor, and I'm telling you that that's not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you that I'm going to be here to walk you along a claim process if something happens. And as much as he and I went back and forth with each other, I got an email really late one night that said... You're right. I really appreciate your expertise. I'm going to go with what you've recommended. And I just, I felt like an immediate victory over InsureTech. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: was well, you have to, you, you got to do that. It, it's a desktop to desktop battle. It's a client by client battle for yeah. understanding the insurance industry has always been battling for awareness and understanding and appreciation of what it does. And right. The
1: implication of that though, Peter, was oh. that he wanted immediate access to something. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's not just a big insurance company issue. That's an independent agent issue um, that our clients are wanting immediate access when they email or try to call at nine o'clock at night because they need to close on something or um, they've got a big job coming up the next day and they want to reach out to somebody and get that panned out right then while it's on their mind so they don't forget about it the next day. That's what we're competing against with. Uh, with the app-based insurance type stuff, and that's what gig work is bringing in competition to the traditional insurance industry.
0: Well, and it's it's um it's not like something that can be ignored anymore. That that's that's the point of me, right? around this in recent weeks and months, because I, I I feel like it's this whole generation of of workers. I mean, I I see a lot of the people delivering stuff in in my area here in Fairfax, uh, Virginia. Uh, Deliveries is is one chunk of it, but they're they're younger. They have these cars. You know, sometimes they're beat up cars, and I'm, I'm, when they go by, and I know what they're doing Uber drivers or Uber Eats, etc. You're like, what is the How are these people covered? You know, and who's- minimum fault?
1: limits? No endorsement. They have no coverage.
0: <laughs> what are the implications for the rest of their life if if something happens if there's an accident? Mm, yeah. What happens to their wages in the future? What ha- what happens to the medical bills? How do those get paid? It's like these yeah. things. That they're just they're just flying around without without awareness of it, and I think we have a responsibility as an industry to to start talking more about this and not just let the apps come in. Some of these apps are are astonishing and how simple they are. One of them, I talked to the owner of uh, this Australia-based uh, InsurTech tech called Upcover, and she said um, that uh, you know the people are buying coverage for you know. Bikes you know delivering so they're gonna deliver food for a day they they have coverage for their bike and for their delivery of, for that day it's right. based on the on the app and it's this cool, kind of like it's almost like a dating app when you look at it
1: right, <laughs> yeah, no there's it has companies. Some
0: major carriers behind it it's 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 a yep. real deal,
1: yeah, yeah, no that's the thing is that there are apps that may um or the, the gig work itself, the company they're partnering with those insure techs, like what did you say, Upcover, who are gaining the backing of the big insurance companies to underwrite this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of, the, the risk to that is though, is that the person that's doing um, that gig work, they, they're not, <laughs> because they're doing it so quickly, they're not taking the time to read the policy. <laughs> right. they, all they think is I'm covered, <laughs> but they don't really know what they're covered for. Yeah. Um, so that's a risk that that gig worker is taking in and of itself. They don't have the backing of an agent there to hold their hand. And, and just as you mentioned before, another risk um, is not just the job itself and the liability that comes with that, but the high risk of not having unemployment benefits or disability, if the gig worker is only doing gig work and this isn't their side hustle to their primary career, that's a big personal risk to take too. What are you gonna do if you're injured and you don't have disability benefits or you don't even have health coverage because you didn't think about it? Um, You know, those benefits are, are usually offered in a traditional workplace. And a lot of times people get it because especially for a young worker um, they don't know what insurance is yet and they're like oh all these other people have health insurance or i'm supposed to get health insurance or you know disability sounds cool and 401k or whatever they jump on it and then they start to learn about it over the years um but these young gig workers they're not being exposed to what what exactly employment benefits are and that in and of itself is also a financial risk for the gig worker
0: one of, one of the one of my earliest memories of, of CIC classes back in the early '80s when I first got involved was this concept of of the work at home endorsement, right? Mm-hmm. And I think at that time there were um, a lot of uh, working women, m- mostly working women, who maybe uh, you know were getting into the workplace in the '60s and '70s and left to have kids or whatever, and and uh, they'd start uh, you know some some something at home where they might have inventory supplies and liability involved with all that work. And um, so we were talking about work at home, you know, make sure you uh, agent, Mr. Agent, Mrs. Agent, make sure you ask your customer if, you know, they have any work at home because business pursuits aren't covered, et cetera, et cetera, right? So now, to me, this is the same thing on steroids. How how do we get that conversation going? That if you have a kid Uh, at home, in school, or even in their young, uh, they're in their 20s or young 30s. A lot of people living at home now still, Um, all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, They're, they got five things going on. They're doing part-time work with three firms. They might have a part-time, full-time gig, W-2 over there. Then they do charity work, all these, and they're running around, they're hustling, right? And so are are we, you can't just assume that they have any kind of holistic, coverage anymore. And so you gotta ask those questions. I think the, the the reason I wanted to talk to you, Dustin, for the you know, what do we say, what should what should independent agents be asking? It can't just be the annual renewal of home and car insurance. It has to be some we have to ask other questions.
1: Right. I don't think it's it's a set question that you need to be asking as an independent insurance agent. I think it's that you need to be connecting with your client. You know, insurance, like I said, um, what got me into it and what I love so much about it is that you can connect with people and, you know, along the way, as you get a bigger and bigger book, sometimes you lose sight of that um, and it becomes transactional, if you will. So one thing about the gig workers is they usually don't see themselves as needing insurance for what they do because they don't see themselves as a small business or they mm-hmm. don't see themselves um, as they think that their home or their home insurance or maybe even their small business insurance is going to cover them. You might ask a young person, what do you do? And they'll go, I'm an Uber driver. And they think that they work for Uber. That's their company. And you're like, no, you're an Uber freelancer, dude. I mean, like you're 1099, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Did you realize that? (laughs) So, uh, you know that, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But that that's what needs to be happening is that the agents, you know when they call in and they're adding something to their policy or they're paying a bill um they don't just need to be making a transaction there they need to be asking and make small talk hey i'm seeing a lot of doordash lately that's nuts right or hey i've actually used doordash for the very first time it was so cool the guy came up and he did this or whatever have you ever heard about the apps that help you rent out your pool um, and the client might just fess up to being one of them because it's I, you know, I've said this many times before um, in my profession, you don't know what questions to ask when you don't know what questions to ask. So your client's not just going to call up and be like, hey, I'm running out my pool. Do I have coverage for that? Because they, you know, they don't think anything about it. Um, they're not going to call up and say, I've got You know what? What did you just say? You you're doing contract work over here for a a part time at a a law firm, and you're 1099 for them, or you're a freelancer. Every they don't even know to call themselves a freelancer. Number one. Yeah. Um. And the young worker is still figuring out what a 1099 even means. know, When tax season comes around, they're going to be shocked because they forgot to you know hold back some hold back some taxes. Because that stuff's not taught to you in high school, by the way um so agents don't necessarily need to be asking questions they need to be connecting with their client in order to get to those questions you can have your annual reviews but in between annual reviews your client lost their job or uh, their their high schooler um or college kid started doing um the uber or the lyft or the doordash especially right now with uh, with the pandemic and everything and they they're not going to wait for the annual renewal to check that box and go oh yeah i do have that exposure and when they check that box they don't always call you either they just check the box and send it back and think that you're going to give them a call what if that gets lost in the mail the u.s postal service loses stuff you know um so they think they check this and then the next time a claim comes around you know their defenses well, I filled out your questionnaire. Didn't you get it? You didn't call me and tell me that I needed Mm. coverage for that. And the time to start talking about those risks and exposures and what coverage that client could have had is not at the time of the claim, because that conversation is totally different and very disappointing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're exactly right. I think we need to stop thinking transaction and more about relationship and, and, you know, developing, uh, like you said, those conversations. That's really good advice. And You know, I have another, maybe a bigger fear for the insurance industry, and that is um, younger people. I know this sounds like something like some kind of commentary about like young versus old, but it's not. It's just that younger people coming into the workforce, coming into life at a school, don't look at insurance coverage even as, as important as their elders did or do Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. it it, um you're seeing this in studies of so it's not just how people buy it like oh it's a cool app um but it's it's like even what like what what is this stuff And, and you hit on it like they don't even think their gig thing is a business and if so if you don't think it's a business um you think it's just sort of like i'm just hustling to make some money to pay the rent um or my mortgage um and a A, and b you know like insurance what, what is i don't even that's that's my dad's thing that's for his house that's right so it's not even on the radar i don't know what what the implications are but to me if if insurance carriers and agents and brokers don't start asking these questions and diving mm-hmm. in i mean partnering with apps is great but how, how do we how do we evolve from you know um, insurance policies and all capital letters that cover certain things to, to being a little more, I guess, aware that the, the consumer is, is just has changed. Uh, the, the basic product itself is, doesn't seem as important to them.
1: Right. Well, I think about it a little bit this way. Um, for the independent insurance agent, uh, I am going to kind of spin a little story. I had a few carriers that offered special event coverage. And so you're right. A lot of times, Younger, um, younger consumers, they learn from their parents. So the the financially responsible parent, I don't know how many times I had a parent call in and say, my kid now owns his own vehicle, he's renting out an apartment, um, I need you to give him a call. Well, just go ahead and have him on the phone for me because getting a young kid to call me back, especially right now when everything is you know a spam call, they're not gonna answer my call anyways. Um, but go ahead and have them on the phone or bring them into the office and let's start talking about this stuff and help them understand um, it, because you yeah, this, this type of experience it comes with life I mean you hear about insurance and you're going to get insurance you really don't care about it when you're young though you've got the product but you don't know what it it covers it's not until later when you start having um, financial responsibility you've got a savings you've got a 401k you need to know how to protect that you start realizing that every time you walk out of your door you're at risk for something. Um, and so then you start paying attention to your insurance a little bit more. It just comes with life experience, really. So it's gonna be harder to get to the, those younger folks. But I had a few carriers that would offer special event coverage. We, was it needed? Absolutely. We had clients that were getting married, having quintes or whatever. You know, The popular gender reveals right now that are a really huge risk with cannons and pyrotechnics. You, know, you would offer this, this uh, special event coverage, but I have very few carriers doing it. Um, The thing is, is that clients never thought to call us when we didn't have frequent enough contact to know what they were doing and that they had these exposures. So if the client rented a space somewhere for that event, sometimes they were offered coverage options right there at the venue. I don't know if that was through an app or whatever, but they would call and say, well, yeah, I had coverage because, you know, the wedding coordinator offered it to us and we accepted the liquor liability and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, so it's, it's the same with pet insurance. People don't think to insure their pets and then they go to the vet and they've got this huge vet bill and then the, the vet hands them a little pamphlet that says here, here's a company that does pet insurance. There are insurance companies that do that, you know, it's, but not every single one of them does that. And the independent insurance agent has access to that stuff, but we rarely ever sell it just because those conversations don't get started. Um, and so it becomes a commodity and it's just something that they can buy when when they're in need for it. So I kind of see this going in the same direction if independent insurance agents and, and insurance, traditional insurance companies don't step up and start evolving. Um, because this isn't just a one time, a one off thing, even if gig work doesn't stay around forever the fast paced changes and the adaptations from insurtech it's gonna change the insurance market and how consumers seek their insurance. They're the, the gig worker, the young worker who's not used to having these conversations with an insurance agent about insurance. They're gonna get used to using an app. They're gonna get used to getting that coverage on an app and when they no longer need it, the next ad that pops up on their Facebook after they've purchased their new home or the realtor is like, hey, there's this app, you can go on there and get a quote. So that way the realtor and the closing agent or the title agent doesn't have to deal with the traditional formality of an insurance agent. It's a whole nother topic about the, the dynamic there. Um, but you know, use the app. So if they're gonna get used to that and they're gonna be familiar with it, they're gonna trust it even though they don't understand what product they're purchasing. Um, so an independent insurance agent isn't going to be able to, to really compete with that. But when they're having those conversations, it doesn't mean that we stop being their insurance advisors when they're having their conversations with the, the parent or even the young adult themselves in passing, um, or they've met them somewhere. You can still be their insurance advisor and, let, uh, and, and take that opportunity to win that business back. Um, Give them pointers and analyzing their coverage and just how difficult it can be that it's not just an app on your phone. There's a policy behind that with conditions and exclusions that you're going to need to follow. You may think you've got coverage for everything, but you don't. Um, But analyzing that coverage and showing them just how difficult it can be to read that on their own and then read that at the time that they're in distress at the time of a claim. That's even harder. Yeah. um so let them know that as an agent that's your value over automation you can offer automation too yeah. and every insurance agent has the ability to, to you know look out there and see what automations are available to them and what they want to partake in um, but it's still uh, up to us to connect with that client in order to to leverage that automation and um, and that connection with the human and right. stay relevant in the insurance market yeah you know gig work like i said it may not stick around forever it's always going to be around in one way or another it'll trend up and down Um, i mean i think it got really trendy in 2008 2009 when the job market was really hard um so it'll trend up and down but the technology that we have at our hands now is what's really transforming um how people are accessing insurance and and giving them a different perspective on that, and what brought gig into my perspective, of course, I knew it was out there, but I didn't really have the trendy word for it. Was the pandemic and the teachers? The thing is, is that for insurance agents, if you're if you're in this game for gig and you're talking to your clients about what the risks and the implications are, that um, you know, there's products out there. I just need to know that you're doing it. It, it can move into something even better. You know, but for the pandemic, for me, what brought it into perspective was that uh the the kids, they started having virtual options. Their parents weren't sending them back to school. Teachers were a little wary of going back to school, but parents also knew that they had limitations um, to being able to provide a good uh, educational environment at home. So they're hiring like college kids that have tutoring experience. And like I said, the teachers that are weary of going back into the workspace. And that was a thing, that was a gig, if you will, but they didn't see themselves as doing a service or providing a small business, That they had liability in that these gig workers. Um, But now what I'm seeing is that we're a year into this and some of these teachers are starting to realize that they're really good at providing this service and it's turning into an entrepreneurship. So that's turning into the possibility of a business policy. They could develop a small school And that's another entry for the agent, that you walked this path with that client and you advised them along the way. They weren't just subject to an app on their phone. Um, And now you're becoming a lifelong advisor for them and you're growing with them. That's a lot of what happens with gig work um, is that these young folks, like I said, this type of financial responsibility and financial awareness comes with life experience. They don't understand what they're doing at first. But you start growing with them, they start gaining financial responsibility, they start buying a home, they start buying an auto, they, their, their gig work turns into entrepreneurship. They realize they don't want to work for Uber, that they could maybe do this even better than Uber, um, and so they, they start developing their own platforms. We had one here in Arkansas that was actually pre-Doordash, and I think he might have sold to DoorDash, actually. But he did a really good job it was amazing how young he was at developing this app locally here in arkansas and gained businesses around the area and but he evolved into that and if he had an agent that was there working with him along the way that's a that's a good sized little book that you're building from somebody um if you are staying in the know and having these conversations and not just sticking your hand and this uh, sticking your head in the sand right. and dismissing it
0: Indeed. Well, thank you um, again, Dustin, for for sharing your ideas. Lots of good um, information in here, and we'll stay in touch with you. And I also want to thank, again, our sponsor, personalumbrella.com. We'll see you next time, folks. This has been On Point with Peter Van Artrek, a podcast presentation of Wells Media Group.